In the late 2000s, the US economy was booming. The standard of living was impeccable, the markets were booming, and the country had a reasonable inflation rate of only 3%, which meant people didn't have to worry. The economy was stable, US citizens could afford to live well, and it seemed like the US was unstoppable. But then, after a series of reckless decisions, inflation rates have skyrocketed, tripling to 9% just this year. In 2020 alone, the US government printed 40% of all US dollars in one year, and now the standard of living is dropping dramatically. More and more people are struggling to feed their families, heat their homes and afford medical care. With the average American savings dwindling, the major banks collapsing, house prices skyrocketing, it's become clear to everyone that the US economy is in a deep downward spiral. There's a reason large companies like Amazon, Meta and Google are laying off tens of thousands of their employees. National debt is also at an all-time high, surpassing 120% of what the US makes in a year. And so what were the reckless actions that caused this? Who and what decisions were made that caused the current US economic climate? Well, we're going to outline all the mistakes that made this a reality. And it all started back with the 2008 crash. You see, before 2008, banks had found a way to make buckets of money. And this involved betting massive amounts of money on the housing market. But when their gambles began to catch up with them, it sparked a massive drop in house prices and eventually plunged the country into a recession. And this recession spread all across the world. Everyone suffered because of the US's economic crash. With the 2008 crash becoming a harsh lesson that the US's economy was the foundation on which the entire global financial system relied on. When it showed signs of crumbling, it affected everyone. And today it seems like the world is even more reliant on the US economy, and this threatens entire countries. I mean, just the 2008 crash alone completely toppled the economies of countries like Greece and pushed millions around the world into deep poverty. However, as disastrous as the 2008 crash was, the US actually weathered the crisis. After 2008, the economy seemed stable after regulatory measures were taken, all while other currencies were faltering at the time, with the euro becoming much weaker compared to the dollar for years after the crash. And all of this highlighted the US's comparative strength. When the world was in crisis, financial systems around the world turned to the US for safety. But there were still lots of problems on the horizon for the US. And the first reason that the US economy is in massive trouble is because of unsealed wounds from the Great Recession. One of the long-term effects of the Great Recession was that it gave the US massive amounts of debt, as the US government decided to bail out the banks that actually caused the crisis in the first place. And to do this, they needed lots of money. And this added to the massive national debt figure. Between 2007 and 2009, the country's debt went up by a staggering 20% compared to GDP. But this wasn't an acute problem with the crisis. The US had been taking on debt for years from wars in the Middle East, among other things. I mean, just the war on terror alone is estimated to have cost $8 trillion, an insanely large amount of debt for the world police. But all of this was the price the US had to pay to be the world's superpower. So by the time the dust settled on the crisis, the debt had risen to 90% of the US's GDP, which has a very eerie parallel to the Great Depression, which was also marked by a massive rise in the country's debt, eventually peaking at 80% of the country's GDP. And so in other words, the US owed comparatively more money than at the height of the Great Depression. And trust me when I say it wasn't going to get any better in the long run. But at the time, this just wasn't obvious. Everything seemed okay, because somehow the US economy seemed to slowly recover from the recession, and the GDP began to grow again. Whilst the world struggled to recover from the shock, the US actually looked strong. And after a few years, their economy was well on its way to recovery. In the first four years of this recovery, GDP was growing by 2% on average every year. And this slow and steady pace was a relief after the massive recession. But there were still some massive underlying problems.
However, before we continue, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, Private Internet Access. Private Internet Access is the perfect antidote to big tech like TikTok and other social media sites stealing all of your information, whilst also hiding your online activity from your internet service provider, network administrator, and government censorship. In addition to their VPN software, they also block ads, trackers, and malicious websites. They do this by changing your IP address and rerouting your internet traffic through an encrypted tunnel. And now a new feature has just launched, as Private Internet Access has 50 servers in 50 US states. And so if you need to look like you're surfing the web from Oklahoma, they've got an IP for that. Do you need to visit a website that can only be accessed within Alaska's borders? They have an IP address for that too. So why is this important? Well, you'll be able to avoid sporting event blackouts if your state's local network opts out of rights to televise the game. You'll also be able to access local websites which are blocked outside of state borders, including local news stations and online banking details. You'll be able to watch television premieres before they show up in your time zone. Hackers also can't see your keystrokes or passwords, and they can't see you accessing work files. And if you're doing anything financial online, like accessing your pension, 401k, IRA, online banking, private internet access VPN will protect you against hackers trying to look at your internet activity. And signing up for private internet access is risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee and 24-7 highly skilled custom support. And right now, they're giving you guys a special offer. If you use my link in the description below, you can grab an 83% discount on private internet access. That's just $2.03 a month, and you will have an extra four months completely for free. So protect yourself today by clicking the link in the description below and the first of these was inequality. Now, as we all know, there's a very small group of powerful people at the top that had caused the crash. The people who had bettered the masses retirement and life savings at the expense of everyone, with their reckless actions irreversibly changing the US and world economy. But when the economy began to grow again, the people at the top saw the most profits. Because unlike the Great Depression, there was no new deal. Instead, the focus this time was put on restoring the old system which had been dysfunctional in the first place, neoliberal trickle-down economics. And this led to a massive rise and inequality. Now, the US was incredibly unequal before the crash. This is just part of the capitalism, and it isn't necessarily bad. However, after the crash, this gap just kept on growing, leading to the point where the top 1,000th of the country were worth more than the bottom 90%, giving the richest Americans massive amounts of power and influence, and life just kept getting worse for everyday normal Americans. Unemployment spiked during the crash as well, and it stayed high for many years afterwards. Before the crash, unemployment was about 5%, doubling just a few months after the crash. And as the economy slowly started to shrink, companies kept laying people off. Hundreds of thousands of jobs were lost every month, and this went on for years. Unemployment only dropped to pre-crash levels in 2016, but by then it was too late. The damage had been done to the American psyche, and a storm was brewing. However, on the surface, the US still looked peaceful. The economy was recovering on paper, and it seemed like everything was just going back to normal. And whilst the wealth inequality was growing, and the Occupy Wall Street movements burgeoned, the Occupy Wall Street protest entered its third week today. What started as less than a dozen college students camping out in a park near the New York Stock Exchange is now hundreds of protesters, and it spread to other cities. Much larger macroeconomic forces were starting to threaten the US, and the root of this problem was that people were just getting too old. People weren't having enough babies anymore. Now, the state of this country may be influencing a record number of Americans against having children. With the baby boomer generation being the largest in the US, with this generation now almost all in retirement, and as birth rates continue to drop, this left a lot of people to be taken care of. And on top of this came another layer of massive generational wealth inequality. It can be expected for people to get richer as they get older, but because the economy was shrinking over decades, the gap had been widening for some time now. Baby boomers and those older than them owned 70% of the US's wealth, adding yet more decision in an already fractured country. And over time, this problem only got worse. More and more baby boomers would work less and less, as of course people generally age, they spend 
spend less. And this shifted the burden onto younger people at a much higher rate than normal, who already have much less money compared to their parents at the same age. And now most people might be thinking that this problem would just sort itself out. Inheritance and other factors will slowly close this wealth gap over time. But at the end of the day, an aging population is still a massive problem. And it's the same for China, becoming just another macroeconomic force, causing the US's economy to nosedive in following years. But the inequality in America that mattered the most after the crash were the regional differences within America. You see, decades ago, the Rust Belt and Middle America were a thriving part of the country. All of America worked as a unifying whole to propel the country forward in the world. Jobs were plentiful, opportunity was everywhere, and America's industrial strength was at an all-time high. But as history took its course, these jobs were slowly outsourced to other countries like China. And over the latter half of the 20th century, the heart of America got poorer and poorer. And with this, job opportunities dried up, and people left for the more prosperous coasts in the droves. And when the crash happened, this process only got worse. Once thriving and prosperous cities like Detroit suffered immensely. In fact, Detroit was one of the most wealthy cities in the entire world. But over time, as companies outsourced all of their labor to these foreign nations, places like Detroit became barren wastelands. And after the crash, they fell just even further behind. It took almost 10 years for the city's economy to recover to pre-crash levels. And even their pre-crash levels were substantially lower than before. And so, of course, with this economic decline, this led much of America to feel disenfranchised they felt left behind in America's growth. And all while this was happening, rent costs everywhere were gradually going up. Affordable housing, extremely hard to find, unless you're cool with pod life. In 2010, they went up by over 7%, and since then, they've never recovered. Instead, they've only continued to rise more and more each year. And all these combining factors, less jobs, more expensive housing, massive swaths of disenfranchised people, declining cities, and higher living costs, meant all of these economic factors were working against the people at the bottom. And whilst this was happening, the more affluent parts of the country didn't seem to care at all. Instead, they ignored impoverished regions like the Midwest, and people were rightly angry. And so when the time came for an election in 2016, millions of people that lived in so-called flyover states made their voices heard. They were angry at the lack of jobs, the rising inequality, and the general economic depravity. And so people like Donald Trump promised to fix all of these problems. No one had seen anyone like Donald Trump in politics before. He seemed radical compared to the neoliberal, empty corporate plastic politicians that had defined America for the last few decades. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. He represented a way out of the darkness by promising to bring jobs back to the country. And whether he actually did this is another story. But whether you like him or not, he's still one for a reason. Which represented the massive amounts of division and polarization that had seeped into America. But with Trump coming to power, the divide within America would only get more and more chaotic. Both sides' extremeness would accelerate, and the culture war reached new levels. CNN, Fox News, MSNBC all told completely different versions of the news. Every institution in America was becoming politically polarized. However, it wasn't completely obvious that the US was in for another recession. Economic growth under Trump remained steady. It did take a hit in 2016 while the economy was faltering a little. But other than that, it was plain sailing on paper. And the same wasn't true for other countries. The UK was having an especially hard time during this period, having just come out of Brexit. In comparison, the US's economy looked strong, and unemployment levels dropped to around 3%. It seemed like the US was ready to turn a corner, but there were big cracks under the surface. Loneliness, depression, anxiety, political division, and atomization were swelling up in the country. Because despite all of America's supposedly high standard of living, the population was becoming more miserable than ever. The American dream went from being a beacon of excellence, freedom, beauty, and wealth, to being defined by an unjust economic system, a lifestyle of never knowing your neighbors, of cheating on your wives, or five-lane traffic and gigantic 
glass monuments to bland vacuity. The latest iPhones, Teslas, and pumpkin spice lattes could only distract the US from the nagging voice of economic stress, loneliness, and political division for so long. Uncertainty hanged heavy across the US, with Gen Z and millennials becoming defined by their atomized nihilistic hopelessness. All while at the same time, mega companies and the billionaire class would monopolize American industry, paying zero tax. And on the other hand, the average American servant class was becoming poorer and abandoned by the crony capitalist system. Even with a steady GDP growth of 2%, this just couldn't mask the hopeless malaise and hatred brewing in the populace. And in early 2020, these cracks would reveal themselves, as the politicians' reckless actions in this year would destroy the American economy for good. You see, when governments around the world recklessly destroyed the global economy with lockdowns, the US was sat paralyzed. Its population was becoming weak and passive and isolated. The economy was shriveling up, and the uncertainty was growing. Only essential industries continued to function and millions of workers were put out of the job. The immediate economic impact of the lockdowns was staggering. There was an instant spike in unemployment and massive dips in economic output and GDP. And to fuel this slowdown, the US government borrowed more money than ever before. In just two years after the pandemic, America accrued $6.25 trillion more debt. It should be clear by now that the COVID lockdowns were incredibly destructive to economies, and seemingly the only solution for American politicians was to print more money. Now, obviously, a small boost would be understandable, but the US went crazy, destroying the life savings of its entire populace. And this is an exaggeration. There were around $4 trillion in circulation before the pandemic. But once the pandemic started, the Federal Reserve began printing more money in massive quantities. And just a year later in 2021, there were $18 trillion in circulation, with the US government printing 40% of all US dollars in a single year. And so unsurprisingly, this had massive effects on the US's economy. The first and most obvious of these is inflation. Before the pandemic, inflation hovered at a healthy 2%, but soon after it went sky high, reaching 8% just recently. However, whilst these measures were completely reckless, they did provide a temporary band-aid. As soon after, unemployment went right back down after the country opened back up again, falling to pre-pandemic levels fairly quickly. And the American stock market also experienced a boom. The S&P 500 nearly doubled in 2021. It really looked like the economy was getting better and everything was just going back to normal. It seemed like all this massive inflation was just a thing of the past, something to worry about in later years. These were just temporary political measures to gain public trust. But of course, this was a delayed solution. The massive amounts of debt taken on and money printed gave the US its own bubble. There was more money floating around, but its actual value hadn't fallen to compensate for this yet. And then this is where the problems started to come back, and come back harshly. The first sign of this was seen in the housing market. Over the past decade, house prices and rents have kept rising. Economic problems pushed more people into renting, and there were simply less houses to rent in general. From 2014 to 2018, rental unit numbers dropped by half a million in the US, and as prices increased across the US, so did the costs for landlords, which led to even more rent increases. The end result of this was the highest comparative rent costs we've seen in decades. And rents were only a small part of the picture. As inflation and cash printing kicked in, prices went crazy. Energy in particular has seen massive increases. I mean, in just 2022, gas prices have increased by over 12% on average. And then all of these problems have been further compounded by the post-pandemic recession, with all the major banks in the UN claiming that the US is going into a deep, deep recession. A recession that could be similar to the Great Depression of 1929. Perhaps now is the time that you'll own nothing and be happy. But in a sudden twist, there have been some strange developments happening recently. Instead of a continued rise, rent prices have actually fallen recently. And this seems like good news. Cheaper rents means more money for renters, right? Well, while this may be the case, the drop in rental prices is a clue that we're about to enter another housing crisis. House prices in 2021 were eerily similar to the prices before the 08 crash. They were massive inflated and seemed due for a crash. And now in 2022, it looks like we're about to see this all unfold. To measure the demand for new houses, people often refer to builder confidence. 
This stat tells us how willing to invest in new construction projects the industry is. And unfortunately, builder confidence dropped for the 10th month in a row recently. A massive part of this is due to rising mortgage rates, which decide how much people pay for a mortgage. This lack of demand and the fact that people generally have less money means we're in for an imminent housing crash. And if the results of the last housing crash are considered, this is not good news for anyone in the long run. Again, taking away more and more personal savings from your average American, making the populace more dependent on the government, more depressed, more stressed, more lonely, more unhealthy, and increases overall crime. The only thing going for the US economy right now is that unemployment is low, but soon this really may not be the case. I mean, massive companies like Meta, Google, and Microsoft are letting tens of thousands of employees go. And this isn't limited to the tech companies either. As companies see their stock prices fall, they're now being forced to downsize. And soon we could see unemployment levels go straight back up again. And when you look at all expert economists, all the major banks, all the world governments, it's clear to everyone that we're going to go into one of the deepest recessions in history. But it only gets worse from there, as the US is going to have to deal with the desperation that comes from a recession. There will be more crime, more mental illness, more drug addiction, and more importantly, more political radicalization. As we see in the culture war right now, people are becoming more and more divided, more full of hate for one another. There is no binding spirit. The communities that defined America are now being decimated. And so it should be clear to everyone one, the things really aren't looking good for the US.